going to take about five minutes right here at the beginning. Um, and we are going to uh, turn into our tables. And uh, you're going to give the story of your name. Maybe you're named after your mom. Maybe you're named after your dad. Maybe you are Michael Smith the fifth. And you can tell a story of five generations of Michael Smiths. I will tell you the story of my name. It is amazing and impressive. My name's Orlando. And my mother, uh, about a month before, she was, before I was uh, due, decided that she wanted to take one last trip with, my hu- with her husband, with my dad. And so they went to Florida to Disney World. And getting off of Space Mountain, I thought... Well, this is a good time to make an appearance. And so I was born in Orlando, Florida. And that's, that is not how I got my name. I'm just, I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. But it's a great story. But that's not, actually, it's not even quite that impressive. I'm named after Tony Orlando, the, uh, the singer, tie a yellow ribbon around Tony Orlando and, and the Dons or something like that, right? Everyone in here knows who they are. I have zero idea, right? And my mom liked the name Orlando, but didn't like the name Tony. And so that's how I ended up with Orlando. I was going to be uh, Obadiah, not a lie. Obadiah, particularly the Spanish version of Obadiah, which at this point I cannot pronounce. Uh, but she second thought it, and I'm thankful. Uh, ended up with Orlando, which I will say was difficult in kindergarten. Because uh, everyone, you get these little cards so that you can see your name and write your name. Right, my friend Bob did not have a problem. He was like, yeah, this is easy. 30 minutes later, I'm still looking at my card trying to write out all the diff- all seven letters of Orlando. So just for a few minutes, kind of look at your table, maybe tell the story. Uh, if it's a great story, maybe it's, there's no story. And you can say, you know what, or you can make up a great story. That's all. That's all. Like one or two minutes left. Oh, sorry. Three would have been a problem. <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's start finishing it up. So um, another, another, this is also a true story. I was, I was telling Howard's parents um, that my son Jonathan, you'll see a picture of Jonathan here in just a minute, was actually the first male born after my dad passed away. My dad passed away September the 27th, and then a year later on September the 1st, almost exactly a year later, my son was born, and everyone had the expectation that he would be named after my father. My father's name was Sam, Samuel. And everyone was shocked when we didn't name him Samuel. But I have an older brother who is Samuel Lopez III. And um, I thought, you know what? If he ever has a son, I want to save the name Samuel. Let him take it since it's actually kind of in that line. So I didn't name him. I didn't name Jonathan Samuel. But his middle name is Isaac. Anyone know what Isaac means? 
laughter. And my dad was a very, very, very funny man. So it was just kind of our little tip of the hat to my dad. We didn't name him after my dad, but it was a little tip of the hat so we knew exactly, uh, so that everyone knew that we kind of were doing that. So let's get into our study. You'll see why all this is a little relevant other than just getting to know each other a little more. Um, it's a little relevant. So if you have your Bibles uh, or whatever you look at, we'll also have it on the screen. Uh, we are going through the Beatitudes right now. And we are actually Matthew chapter um, 5, verse 9. And it's a very short verse, and I love it. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers... For what? They shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers are sons of God. And that's pretty... So at first blush, we're going to talk about three different things, but at first blush, what are some of the things that stand out to you in that short verse? What does it make you think? What does it make you feel? What does it make you... Just what are the things that jump out? Nothing jumps out. Being a peacemaker is a good trait to have. Does anyone here know peacemakers? I know a few peacemakers. I know a few people that uh, if they see a conflict, it's just their nature to say, hey, instead of escalating this, let's sit down and let's see how we can resolve this. So that's a, it's a great trait to have. Somebody else? Yes, ma'am. Peacemakers are different than peacekeepers. Okay, tell me about that a little bit. Peacemakers are different than peacekeepers, is what she said. They're also different than beekeepers, but that's a whole different. It's <laughs> a whole different story. Um, peacekeepers will um, like bow to something that's not right, just to avoid conflict. Peacekeepers are really about avoiding conflict, and peacemakers are about. I think that's a great view of it. Peacekeepers are about avoiding conflict. Peacemakers don't have a problem with conflict. They just want to resolve it. Because guess what? A peacekeeper doesn't resolve the conflict. The conflict is still what? Right there under the surface. We've just tried to make everyone happy. But something's going to happen at some point, And it's going to explode again. A peacemaker says, hey, let's have a resolution to this so we can take it and we can put it away. So as I looked at this, there was three things that, three things that I wanted to talk about this morning. Uh, and so the very first thing is this. When I think of that, particularly because it ends with this idea, for they shall be called sons of God, I thought that is so interesting. Because ultimately, sons have the character of their father. So I look, uh, um, I've got to show you this picture. That is me just a few years ago. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, exactly. That's what color hair I have. Um, probably not anymore. If I had it, it might be gray now. Uh, uh, you can see uh, this is a family little, we've got dimples. And I've got one big one right here and one not so big one right here, right? And so I know my angle is... <laughs> that's my angle. Uh, my brother has two very big ones. 
mom looks at this picture, my mother looks at this picture and says, you know what, your son Jonathan, who we talked about just a second ago, looks just like that. I thought, you think so, mom? And she says, you have these little things you do with your face, these facial expressions, and he has them too. And, and she says, you have this way that you might say a word and that your nose wrinkles when you do that. And he has that too. So I, I want to do a little comparison. That's me. Um, I don't have, I, in my search, I, wasn't, I didn't want to spend too much time. So I just got the most recent picture that I have of my son, Jonathan. And that's my son, Jonathan, now. That's the most recent picture we have. And I look at that and I think, yeah, he's probably my son. Right? But it's this idea that fathers and their children have these similarities. And so when we are saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, and we're saying sons of God are peacemakers, what ultimately we are saying is what? God is a peacemaker. And he really is. If you really think about who God is, And who Christ is? What was Christ's purpose on the earth? I I heard to seek and save the lost. How how does he do that? How does he do that? He wrecked. Go ahead. He sent here to reveal God to us, and he, he was. But he also builds this bridge between humanity and God. And how does he do that? I heard something over here somewhere. Sacrifice. He does that through his, the sacrifice of his son. And what that does is that puts man and God who shouldn't be at peace with each other. You know why? Because what does the Bible say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is... Death. God and sin, they're just not compatible. And so there is this lack of peace. But Christ comes and gives a sacrifice, and he ultimately is the peacemaker between us and God. It's because of his sacrifice that we can now live at peace with God. God doesn't view me through the lens of sin. I am in a relationship with Christ, so God views me through the lens of Christ. He, when he sees me, you know who he sees? He sees his son. And his son brought peace. So there's a few verses that I want to look at. Um, so uh, let's see here. Is that? Yes, ma'am. Children of God. Okay, and they will be called children of God. Sons of God, sons of God is ESV. Um, I, I can totally understand the translation children. That way we, we, we are very sure that ladies understand that you, you're included in, in that also. You know, we're not exclusive. Uh, but they shall be called children of God. But either children of God have the character, children have the characteristics of their parents, right? So let's look at three verses. So here's what we're going to do for just a second, right? So... These tables here, from here forward, right, 
We're going to have you all look at Romans 16.20. We're going to have you all look at Romans 16.20, talk about it at your tables for just a second. We're going to see what it reveals to us about uh, about who God is. And then um, these tables straight back all the way through to where the hamburgers are sitting right there. You all are going to do 1 Thessalonians 5.23. All right? And then these tables from here, this way, y'all are going to take Colossians 1.20. It's just one verse, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time. I'm probably going to give you about three minutes um, uh, to take a look at it. And um, go ahead and talk about it at your table. So again, over here, it's Romans 16.20. This middle section is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The last section, the last group, is Colossians 1.20. About 30 more seconds. We'll give you about 30 more seconds just to kind of wind things down. All right. So let's look at Romans 16.20. So someone from this section of the classroom, uh, tell me, one, read Romans 16.20, just a volunteer. And then let's just, as you hear that, I want, I want to hear kind of what jumped out at you as you were talking at your tables. So someone read Romans 16.20. Great, great. So, as y'all were talking, what are some of the things that jumped out at y'all? So it's and the God of Peace, right? There's a that's going to be the recurring theme in all of the verses. Uh, the God of Peace will soon do what? Crush. Crush Satan under your feet, and then he ends with. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So, as y'all were talking, what are some of the things that jumped out at you? Interesting. Now, Tell me. I, I mean, that didn't jump out. It did at him, so it Well, it, it almost obliges us to, to be responsible for crushing Satan. Okay, so God will crush Satan under our feet, but for that to happen, our feet have to do something. The job ultimately is God's because God will crush, but he uses us as instruments to achieve victory over the enemy. Great, great. Anybody else? Can I tell you what jumped out to me? Two things jump out to me. And, and it's this idea, and the God of peace. That's just like, oh, we'll crush Satan under your feet. <laughs> I'm like, oh my. But it is this idea that this peacemaking God isn't afraid of conflict, isn't afraid of confrontation. This peacemaking God isn't a milquetoast God. That just, oh, you know what I'm saying? He really is about victory over Satan. So that, that jumped out to me. Just the way, the way Paul does it. He does this, and may the God of peace crush Satan under your feet. And now be blessed by the grace of God. You know, just kind of, just really, that's one of the things that stood. Anybody else? Anything else stand out to anybody at any of the other, in any of the other groups? Okay, that's all right. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 523. Someone read it, and then this group, this section of class, tell me. Go ahead. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body 
be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may the God of peace, again, same idea, sanctify you completely and do what? May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so what did y'all, what jumped out at y'all? Sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. This God of peace, again, makes peace between us and God in the forgiving of our sins. Great. And you know what jumps out to me about that idea in contrast to this idea? This idea is, and may the God of peace crush Satan, what? Under your feet. And this is, and may the God of peace do what? Sanctify you. Sanctify you. Here, who is doing... The actual crushing, he's crushing them under our feet. We're, we're actively involved. And in this act of sanctification, who is doing the sanctification? God. It, it doesn't say, may, may the God of peace help you to be sanctified. It's, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. I, that, those, those two ideas, again, there's this God of peace doing these very two different ideas, working through two different means. That's kind of, as, as we looked at that together, that jumped out at me. What, what else jumps out at you? And it doesn't even have to be this section of class. Any, if you even heard it, what jumps out to you? Yes, ma'am. In mine, uh, it said, may your spirit and soul and body be preserved entire without blame. Mm. So he sanctifies us, but... We need to preserve that sanctification without blame. So we still have a We still we do have a responsibility to live in holiness. Absolutely. He does the sanctification. The sanctification is entirely his his work. But we do have a responsibility to live out holy lives. And again, how do we do that? It really isn't about our strength to do that. He gives us the strength to do that. We stay connected. I love that. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. The, especially with this idea of sanctification, that's going to come by spending time in the Word, spending time with Christ. And the more we spend time, the more we start to look like each other. Uh, a lot of you would know, uh, the longer you're married, the more you're like each other. 
Even, even with our pets, the longer you had a pet, have you ever seen those people who has, have pets that look just like them? That's not blood relationship. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. But although I will never look like my dog because uh, my dog has a full head of hair and I don't. So, <laughs> Excellent. Anybody else in this little section? Oh, did, we, did we turn off for just a second? Um, anybody else in this section? If not, let's go on to this other section. Uh, up, there we go. Let's see. Now we get to... Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. Colossians 1.20. Someone read it. Tell me what stood out to you. Okay, what jumps out to you as you read that verse? To me, it was he was reconciling all things on earth and in heaven. I love that because ultimately the reconciliation is a total reconciliation because this world is broken, not just the people of this world. And so those scriptures even talk to us about earth groaning, these birthing pains groaning for its redemption. And so it is, I love that, it is this total redemption. Excellent. Anybody else? So what brings about peace? It is the blood of Christ shed on the cross. It's the blood. Sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. There's a there's a there's a hymn that gets sung. Um, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. That's pretty powerful to me. It's this blood that which it's this, and it's it's this very divergent picture, right, of the sacrifice, the painful, um, harsh. I, I, I use this term, and I don't because I don't know a better term to to do it. This gross sacrifice of this picture of a man on the cross literally torn apart and unrecognizable and it's that picture that brings me peace right we, we uh, like my little my little thing has a cross on it right if you really think about it that's a little crazy right because what's the cross it's a symbol of death, a symbol of execution. It would be like me drawing a tiny little electric chair and wearing it around my neck all the time. But it's because what happened there ultimately brings me peace. And I need to remember that. And so it's, again, it's this idea of God as peacemaker. When we, when we are peacemakers, ultimately we are reflecting the character of God. God is a peace-loving, peacemaking God, and if he's a peacemaker, his children who bear his image will be peacemakers. So let's go to this next section really quick. And, and it, uh, there's a verse. 
uh, again out of the book of Romans. Someone read Romans 8.14. We're going to look at this one all together. Someone read Romans 8.14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Again, it's, a, it's the same idea of um, sons of God, right? We're led by the Spirit of God. We are sons of God. And here's, here's the point that I want to make with this quick little passage. It says, being led by the Spirit. If we are led by the Spirit, we are going to display What? The fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, what? Peace. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, and on and on and on. And I could, I could, we could talk about all of that. But ultimately, we are going to display peace. For the fruit of the Spirit is, part of the fruit of the Spirit is, peace. So here's what I want to, here's what I want to ask you. How does that play out in our lives? We're led by the Spirit. We're sons of God, so we're led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit means we show peace. How does that play out in our lives? What does that look like? Absence of stress. Absence of stress. And and part of the reason why I want to ask what that looks like is because as we answer, I want us to ask, does my life look like what we're talking about? And the truth is, when I talk about peace, there are moments when, sure, I'm great at peacemaking between me and someone else. Biff, if you offend me, I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to think really bad thoughts about you. <laughs> but then I'm going to go and I'm going to reconcile and I'm going to ask for forgiveness for the, everything that I thought about you and everything I said about you behind your back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm good at that peacemaking part. I don't want conflict to be there. I want to resolve it. Let's get it all on the table. Let's figure it out. Let's have this resolution. But I'm not... So peacemaking, right, with each other, that's kind of in my wheelhouse. But peacemaking sometimes with my own life, right? Because... Blessed are, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It's just this idea of peacemaker. Peacemaker works out with those around me, but it works out in my own life too. And sometimes my life is filled with stress, and I'm not very good at peacemaking in my own life. Right? And my wife, I was, I was talking with Lulu this morning. Octobers are typically crazy for me, because on top of church and schoolwork, and papers, and now traveling with Young Life Training. I've got an 8th grade football game, a JV football game, and a varsity football game that I go to. And my life in October is like, ah! And then on top of that, throw in uh, emceeing lips, and throw in doing men's retreat, all in the same month, and my life was like, ah! And that's the way I was, I was, ah! And my wife said, Orlando, this happens to you every October and every February. Things kind of, you're like, oh my goodness. She's like, calm down. You get through it every year. And I needed someone to step in and help be that. She was a peacemaker in that moment because she allowed me to look at everything that I had and say, you know what? You can make it through. So that's what it looks like. It looks like, it looks like 
resolving stress. That's peacemaking, and that's that sense of peace. I love that. Anyone else? How does this idea of the fruit of the Spirit being peace, how does that work out in our lives? Yes, ma'am? Another aspect of this uh, is forgiveness, forgiving oneself. We had the opportunity of doing some work in the prisons, and they have a lot about forgiveness, you know. But the hardest thing for inmates to do, many of them, is to forgive themselves. I love that. I love that picture. Yeah, it's that peacemaking and forgiveness of others is definitely peacemaking. But there's this element that sometimes internally I'm struggling because I've done this and I'm a terrible, terrible person. And I have to go back and I have to peacemake even within myself and extend that forgiveness that I easily extend to others. Extend that internally and be able to forgive myself. I do love that idea. If you don't, you are denying Jesus' work on the cross. And furthermore, you're placing yourself in a position above God because God already forgave you. And what you're saying is, I'm too big to do that. And so that's great. Yes, ma'am. Peace with God. It is that peacemaking. Christ allows us that access to Him. We can't come to the Father without going through Christ. And it is this peacemaking and peace with God and peace knowing that God's in control. Definitely. That there's nothing, there's something, I think Murray said it, I don't know where Murray got it. Uh, Nothing comes into my life that hasn't been filtered through God's ever loving hand. And it's this idea of, okay. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to live this idea of peace because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't get it, but I know God's in control. I love that idea. So it's this idea of peacemaking with God. Let's do this last little section because I want some table time and some. So, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Right? So, we understand that uh, as we're peacemakers, we're reflecting the character of our Father. We understand that it is part of the fruit of the Spirit. But what does that mean? There's a couple of things that come out of, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you look at your tables probably for about four or five minutes uh, at your tables, specifically Matthew chapter 5. And if you skim through Matthew chapter 5, or if you have a fancy phone that can do search, you will find this idea of sons of God later on in Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to use that idea to help us figure out what does it mean to be a peace. Maker. So Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to give you a hint. It's later, later, later. Like, don't look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 12, because that's too soon. It's going to be later on in the chapter. So uh, look at it. See where else you can find this idea of sons of God is specifically what you're looking for. Um, because again, sons of God are peacemakers. And then talk about that at your table for Jesus. I already heard someone catch where it kind of is. It is around verse 45, but I want you to look at the context. So it is that idea of not just 45. When we look at context, we look at the stuff that's around it also. That's going to help you come up with this, these ideas that we want to talk about here in just the next several. All right, we're going to be rounding it up just to give us enough chance to finish uh, around our regular designated finish time. 
It is going to be Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 45. Does someone want to read that really quick? Just really loud. Someone read Matthew 5, 43 through 45. And I think this is going to give us an idea of what it really means to be a peacemaker. Someone read that for me. You know what? Go ahead and read through 47. I think that might... For if you love those who love mm-hmm. you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, shall therefore, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father Okay, so just for the sake of time, I'm going to, there's three, I want to make this practical. That's one of the things I like to do. I like to take whatever we learn, and I like to put it in a nice little package that you can stick in your pocket, and you can take home with you, and you can take it out at home and be like, oh, I can use this. Because I get, when you get something that's not very useful. I went to Honduras once, I do not lie, uh, formed a great relationship with our bus driver, and he gave me a, uh, a I, he, his wife had knit it, uh, and it was, so it was made out of beautiful yarn, and it, uh, for lack of a better term, it was a blender sweater. Like, it was a little thing made out of yarn that you put over your blender. Um, my blender never gets cold. <laughs> or never complains about the cold, so it was one of those things that I thought was very nice. But I didn't have any use for it, right? I want you to go, oh, that was nice, and now here's how I apply it in my life. So the, here's the very first thing, right? I want you to understand kind of the thought process. Peacemakers are sons of God, and starting at verse 43, it's one of those things, one of those ideas that we get. The sons of God love who? Love their enemies. We, of course, we love those who love us. That's easy. That's easy stuff. But we even love those, and this is hard, who wish us wrong. Those people that look at, look at us and say, man, I hope Orlando trips going up those stairs. <laughs> we love them too. Why? Because ultimately we're reflecting the character of God. God loved us while we were yet what? Sinners. Sinners. He died for us while we were sinners, while we were enemies of the cross, because ultimately, (laughs) that's what a sinner is. While we were enemies of the cross, God loved us and died for us. And he said, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you, and ultimately, one of these days, you're going to be reconciled to me. So, uh, second thing. Peacemakers do what? So, uh, you have heard it said, what? Love your neighbor. But I, but I say, do what? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy. But guess what? That's what a peacemaker does. It's hard to have conflict 
with someone you are regularly praying for. Maybe you don't like Orlando Lopez, and that's okay. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Maybe you think, I wish Orlando, those socks that he always wears are just way too loud. And then when he sits down, everyone can see him. And it's so distracting. Maybe you don't. And that's okay. You know what you can do? You can pray for me. (laughs) And ultimately, let God deal with whatever it is. Let God move in my heart. Instead of, because sometimes we're too quick to be angry and bitter when we could be praying. You know what? Maybe Session made a decision that you didn't like. You know what you can do? You could steal peace and argue and bicker and right? Or you could choose to display the character of Christ and pray. I hope that that's our first blush response. Oh man, I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I'm so bitter. I want to cause, I want to, you know, there's conflict there. But before I do anything, I'm going to pray. Yes, sir. Maybe not praying about your socks. God's not going to change your heart about the socks. He's going to give me peace about your socks. That's exactly, that's exact. And God, God, God could change my heart. But he could just as easily change yours. More likely he's going to change mine. And it's that, it's that thing we go to the Lord in prayer. So we, uh, uh, we love our enemies. Peacemakers pray. And then peacemakers don't just love those who love them. We love everybody. If you're just loving those who love you, that's the easy stuff. Even sinners know how to do that. That's what that la- those last couple of verses, verses 46 and 47, that's, that's, that's the easy stuff. Right? Anybody, it's the hard stuff. Loving those who don't love you back. And guess what? That's real love. The way we describe it with a biblical churchy word is agape. Unconditional love. I love you not because you're loving me back. I love you unconditionally. And that, again, enables us to be peacemakers that reflect the character of our Father. Any questions? I think today is the first time I ever finished right on time. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness. We're thankful that you challenge us with the Scriptures and call us to be like you, sons of God who reflect your character, who are peacemakers. Lord, you challenge us to live it out because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And you give us practical ways to do that by loving our enemies, by praying for those who persecute us, by really uh, diving deep and living in relationship with those around us, whether they love us or not, even when it's not easy. So we give you thanks. We ask that you would help us apply these truths to our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Quote, unquote, that was too much bacon. <laughs> and it says, said no one ever. <laughs>